0: the word health at least i'm going to say probably 80% of you instantly think of you know physical health like the gym you think of working out you think of eating healthy and all the nasty things that come with that and that's just our initial thought when we think health and uh, i mean if i'm not going to try and take away the importance of how like we do need to take care of our bodies. And I know that you guys have been talking about that um, in some of your groups. And I think all of us have heard the, uh, the verse from 1 Corinthians where it talks about um, our bodies as a temple. So I'm just going to read that where it says, Do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God? You are not your own, for you were bought with a price. So glorify God in your body. Now, a lot of us hear that and we think, you know, yes, our bodies are the very vessels that the Holy Spirit works in and through, that we are these temples for the Holy Spirit. And so we do need to take care of the bodies that we were given because, correct me if I'm wrong, the Holy Spirit works and God works while we're here on this earth, right? Yeah. So we need to take care of that, but I also want to point out that last little sentence that says so glorify God in your body Now I think if it just meant take care of your body. It would have said with your body and So we're gonna focus on more of the in your body stuff more of the thoughts that you have and your spiritual health and how utterly important that is for your life And I'm going to talk about just maybe some of the things that are really stopping you from growing in your faith. And a lot of it comes down to um, different conversations that we have with ourselves. So, like, I, I just have a couple questions for you guys. And that is, so what is hindering your spiritual health today? What is crippling you from growing in your faith with God? Is it a certain sin or a certain temptation that you guys are struggling with? Or is it like a really hostile family environment where you might be the only Christian there and you come home and your parents and your brothers and sisters just beat on you for having these values for your life that they think is stupid? Is it your friends, maybe outside of here, that are really being a bad influence on you? And are they just are they just a virus to your spiritual life? Are they just taking over? Or is it you? And I mean that not in the sins that you're doing or the temptations that you're doing. I'm talking about the very conversations that we have in our mind and what we believe about ourselves. Because what you believe about yourself determines how your day goes and how you act, what you say to others and how you find your self-worth. Are these conversations that you have with yourself something along the lines of, I'm just not good enough yet for God to use me. I need to fix myself before Jesus can really use me for his glory. I need to do that. Or is it something along the lines of, and this one's my favorite, "Um, I'm a new Christian, so I need to have some experience before God can use me, and we'll go into that a little bit later. That one's my favorite. That people that people just put limits on themselves by doing that. Um, so is it like I'm not righteous enough, or something along the lines of? And this very much applied to my life when I was younger and in your guys' shoes and in your guys' seats. I'm just too young for anything that I say to have any weight. Have any of you guys had those type of thoughts? Are they what are those thoughts plaguing your spiritual life? Because these thoughts that we start to have are like bricks that we put our or put on the ground in between us and God. And as we have these conversations day in and day out, they're like bricks that are on the ground and we slowly build them up. And so I'm just going to talk about the importance of the conversations we have with ourselves because they can either empower us or destroy us. So we're going to take a look at a man named Apollos and his story really ties in with uh, our theme verse, 1 Timothy 4.12. And um, a little background on Apollos. Uh, The story is in chapter 18. We'll turn there in a little bit. But Apollos was... A man, he did know a decent amount about the scriptures. He had some knowledge, but he only knew up until the point of the baptism of John. He did not know about Jesus' death. He did not know about his resurrection, and he didn't know about the Holy Spirit. Now, correct me if I'm wrong, those are three kind of foundational things in our faith, right? Like, without those, we're not here right now. And yet God was using him in a very mysterious way to plant seeds, even though he didn't know those things. So I'm going to go ahead and read that story. Give me a second here. All right. So it starts with verse 24. Uh, Now a Jew named Apollos a native of Alexandria, came to Ephesus. He was an eloquent man, competent in the scriptures. He had been instructed in the way of the Lord, so God had called him to do something for his purpose. And being fervent in the spirit, he spoke and taught accurately the things concerning Jesus, though he only knew of the baptism of John. So he didn't know those three things, the death, resurrection, and the Holy Spirit. He began to speak boldly in the synagogue, but when Priscilla and Aquila heard him, they told him and explained to him the way of the Lord more accurately. And when he wished to cross Achaia, the brothers encouraged him and wrote to the disciples to welcome him. When he arrived, he greatly helped those who through grace had believed. For he powerfully refuted the Jews in the public, showing by the scriptures that Christ was Jesus. And you guys can read that story and kind of just skim over it and keep going through Acts. And um, I'll tell you, I I read this story um, in my own time where uh, I take every day just to read some scripture. I've been reading a chapter of Acts and then a psalm. And I read this story and immediately thought of you guys. And how this applies to your life, and how this applied to my life, and I didn't know yet. And how God was using Apollos, even though he did not know everything. And that is key. Like, that limit that you put on yourself, that when God calls you to do something, to go speak to somebody in the back here when we have worship, that is just crying or you can tell is going through something hard. You might not know them, but God is giving that you that nudge, that whisper to trust him and go back there and talk to that person because You might not know, but that one instant where you trust God for five seconds and don't give yourself a limit or an excuse or listen to those thoughts, that might be a beginning point for that person. That might be a seed and that might change their life. And all it took was one decision for you to do what God was calling you to do. And so I tried to write a little bit more about this and explain this a little bit more. Um, I spent way too much time trying to get the wording right. But I couldn't do it as well as when I did it in my own journal. So this is what I wrote in my own journal after reading this. And you're going to notice that I, when I write, I write like I'm teaching. And I don't know why I do that, but I do. So. This is what I said after reading Acts 18. So this section talks about Apollos and his ministry. What stuck out to me is the fact that he was ministering even though he didn't know everything. This is key. It says he was full of the Spirit and ministering. He didn't have to know everything in order for God to use him for his glory. God uses us at all times. There's no requirement of being at a level of faith for us to be used by God. We are being made new every day, and God uses us along the way. The Spirit works through God's children, not through his, not just through his elites. So do not let your age, how long you've been a Christian, or how much knowledge you have keep you from doing the work of God. Because if God can use someone like Apollos, he can use someone like you for the glory of his kingdom. Know that you are not alone, though, and that the Spirit is what makes this possible. God uses us by having his Spirit work in and through us because we are the very vessels of God. And so, like I was saying... Those thoughts that you can put on yourself, that you can just limit yourself with, these excuses that we give ourselves, if we keep listening to them, over time, it just, it destroys our faith and our spiritual health. It might not look like much, where you're just ignoring something that God is pushing you to do, that God is whispering you to do, but over time, if that's a continuous thing, you're going to look back and wonder who you are. And I've used this example many times, especially with my guys, and you guys might have heard me use it before. And it's how if you, if you aren't pushing yourself to grow and you think you're okay, it's like looking at yourself in a mirror every day. You don't notice any changes that are going on. But if you're working out, You don't really notice those changes. So you take a before and after picture and it becomes very apparent, right? If you're doing it right. Um, (laughs) But going back to what I was saying, um, you'll look at that after part of your life and wonder how you got to this place. And so I'm just really encouraging you guys to not let your age or your knowledge be a limit on you. Do not let the conversations in your head dictate how God is going to use you because he has a plan for each each one of you and his path is great. And I can't wait to see where he takes each each one of you because you guys are so far beyond my level of faith. When I was your age, you guys just impressed me. And I can't wait to see how God uses you. So... So we know this story now. But we still struggle with the fact of, you know, those thoughts of, well, yeah, I know that I'm not too young and I know that um, I don't have to know everything, but I'm still not perfect. Um, I'm not at a level of faith or I'm not at this this part of my life, in order for God to fully use me let use me um, yet so let me get there first, God, before you use me now um, now I if any of you know me, I bring this up a lot and how I am a perfectionist, and it I mean I was just in origami with Emma and it didn't turn out too great. It was okay. But stuff like that can really frustrate me because everything has to be perfect. And that's, and being a perfectionist isn't fully a bad thing. Some of you might be that way too. Um, I know I was talking to Faith, and she said she is as well. We were doing some sanding during woodwork, and we, were, we wouldn't stop until it was pretty good. So what I'm trying to get at is, you know, being a perfectionist isn't bad. And for myself... Like I have to justify everything that I do and it has to have a purpose which makes me a very intentional person. If you guys know me at all, I'm very intentional with my actions, with my words and I think that's a blessing from God. But it also comes at a great price where I continually put these super high expectations on myself that I can never achieve um, and I just beat the crap out of myself for not achieving those things and Over time that really starts to hurt who you are and it really starts to hurt your faith and So I would spend so much of my time trying to prove to God that I was worth saving I Know it kind of sounds silly, but I'm sure that you guys have had similar thoughts and so I I would try and prove to God by doing certain things that I am a good Christian, that I am better. And they seem like good things. Like, I was a leader within my youth group, I would go on different mission trips, I would be very involved in my band, um, both youth and at the church that I was at during high school, and... I I realized that I was doing all these things and this new life that Christ has promised us is supposed to have joy and peace. And I thought, you know, by doing more things for God that I should be able to achieve that. That I should be able to become this new creation that God was supposed to make us be when we were forgiven. And I just wasn't feeling that. I was constantly frustrated and didn't understand why all these things that I was doing weren't giving me that joy and peace. And so, what I'm trying to get at is most of us, most Christians, get caught up in living the Christian life and trying to become something that we already are. Because Jesus did not just die on the cross just for your sins. He died not only for that, which is an amazing thing, but he died for you to be in right relationship with God. And if you guys don't know exactly what that means, that means you have to be perfect. That means you have to be holy and righteous. And that doesn't make sense. Like, how could we be those things? So you guys tell yourself, and I know I have told myself, like I do so many things wrong, but the holy word of God says that you are righteous through Christ. In 2 Corinthians 5.21, you tell yourself, I have not done enough for God, and God says that you are holy through Christ. Colossians 3.12, I have so many weaknesses that I need to fix first before you can use me. And God says, you are complete through me. Colossians 1.22. So you guys have been made perfect. Hebrews 10.14 says, for by one offering, Christ, uh, he has perfected forever those who are being sanctified. So this is us. We are already in a right relationship with God. We are already made perfect. We are already complete. We are already righteous. We are already holy through the things that He has done for us. So we don't have to chase these certain good things in order to be a great Christian or a good Christian for God to use. So, don't have these thoughts to yourself that I can't use, or God can't use me yet because I need to be this good. Because when we focus on those things, we get in this pattern of trying to do things in our own works, and then we get frustrated, and then we fall away, and we don't understand why. So, oh, gosh. When we, when we rest in the reality that we are already made these things, we are able to experience that promise that God has given us. We are able to experience the joy and peace of Christ. And guys, life without that is real hard. I've lived way too long without that. And so if you guys can just rest in knowing That you are those things, that you are perfect through Christ. You are going to be able to have joy and peace, which is going to let you be the unique person that God has made you to be. The unique person that he has made for his kingdom to go after and minister to others. So, guys, believe in yourself because you are not too young. You are not unknowledgeable. You are made perfect, you are made righteous, you are holy, you are complete through Christ, and you are an asset for his kingdom. So that wall that we talked about in the beginning, sometimes we get so concerned with placing these bricks to build up between us and God that we kind of forget to take a look at our surroundings. And we, so once this wall is done, and we're just kind of like, God, you just can't use me yet, we turn around, and we realize that God was with us the whole time. And God goes up and pokes that wall, and it falls down like a house of cards. So tear down the walls, guys. Let the bricks crumble, because God is ready to use you now. Not tomorrow, not next week, not next year. Now. Now. We're gonna go into talk time, so there's gonna be some music and just take some time to really focus on um, just what how, what God's doing this week in your life, and maybe some of the things that I said and how they apply to your life. And He's gonna leave the scriptures up, um, maybe cycle through between the story as well.